to the Women's Health Wisdom and Wine podcast, a bi-weekly conversation with practitioners, providers, patients, and healers about complex reproductive medicine and women's health challenges, the value of an integrative approach to these challenges, many of the women's health topics you're already thinking about but uncomfortable talking about, and my personal favorite, wine. I'm your host, Dr. Lorena White, an integrative reproductive medicine and women's health provider licensed acupuncturist, clinical herbalist, and a former labor support doula in the Washington, D.C. metro area. My goal is to bring women's health-specific evidence and expertise to the forefront of daily health and wellness news through informative conversations. If you have ideas, questions, and specific topics that you would like us to cover in future podcast episodes, please leave them in the comments section or send us an email. To learn more, visit the website at www. LorenaWhite.com. As you enjoy the podcast, conversations, and wine time, please remember that this podcast is not designed to be a substitute or bona fide relationship with a licensed or certified healthcare professional. In today's episode, Alexandria and Giselle talk with me about monarchy as a rite of passage, how healing emotional and sexual trauma can heal your womb, and the importance of a healthy mother-daughter relationship around monarchy, as this is the foundation for a genuine period love. Invoking Babyface, this is for the moon in you. Let's listen. excited about our guest today and I love to celebrate podcasts first and this is our first mother-daughter duo. So Alexandria and Giselle, please tell us a little bit about yourselves. Wow. <laughs> what what to say? Um, we love each other immensely. Who are you? Who are you? I'm an, in, I'm an intuitive mm-hmm. second generation Canadian. Okay. I'm Giselle. Uh, I'm the illustrator of The Moon and You, and this is my mom. <laughs> they are, they are absolutely yeah. adorable, absolutely adorable. So we'll get to the good stuff. Um, you two are the author and illustrator of The Moon and You, a period book for girls. And I have to say how much I absolutely L-O-V-E in all caps this book. So let's get started with you, Alexandra. How did you come up with the concept for this, for this gem? Well... I think Giselle was 11 and I just, it was one of those evenings where I just made this, I had this idea. So I made this like eight page pamphlet Uh with like a marker. I was like, it's going to be like this. Uh And I thought it was going to be like really short and cute. (laughs) And then (laughs) of course, like I'm obsessive. So I couldn't stop. And it ended up just being like this complete uncovering that took years. Yeah. Yeah. But I really did think it was going to be eight pages. (laughs) So much but for that thought, but and I'm glad that it was more than eight pages. Yeah. And and let's see, um, Giselle, as your mom was busy writing, how was this book playing out in life, in real life for you? Well, I guess it was kind of affecting the way that we were talking to each other. It changed our conversations. It was kind of uncomfortable at first, uh-huh. you know, to, to go through all the stages of of the book, yeah. you know, the information and then integrating it into 
how he felt. Yeah. And then, you know, that affected, you know, how I talked to my friends and the type of conversations I was having with them. So I think overall it just made me more open, but it took, you know, some growing stages Absolutely. to get there. And I think those growing stages are every mother-daughter. And sometimes we can go through that smoothly and effectively and efficiently. And sometimes it's awkward and sometimes it's not so much um, of a fact-finding mission, but more so of, you know, things to avoid rather than things to embrace. So as you know, I mean, I've written a book as well. And writing a book I found to be way more than just putting some passionate words on a page. And this question is for both of you. How did this project affect your relationship as mother and daughter? It's a good question. I mean, it affected it short term. We were, we hated each other while we were making it. I mean, it's really stressful, <laughs> almost painful. Yeah. Um, I think long term it was really healing though. Yeah. 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 We didn't know, you couldn't have seen long term how it was going to play out until it played out. Right. And when but you say it, it was painful, when you said it was painful, talk to us about some of those painful moments because there are plenty of mother-daughter duos who don't write a book and they're going through the pain of, you know, welcoming one into womanhood and now they're two totally. women in a household and all those things and hormones flying. So talk to us about that a little bit. Um, I think I was having to talk about stuff that hadn't been talked to me mm -hmm. about right. and I was, I was trying to find my words. <laughs> I was obviously uncomfortable. Yeah. And I was being more honest about that, which isn't something we had before, like True. complete honesty. Wow. And Giselle was really stubborn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, firstly, yes. But, you know, this is a book, it's about really intimate things. Mm -hmm. And we were really, I at least was very closed at the time we were making it. Right. So making a book about things that are so open when you're already in a closed space means that you're like trying to like force a clamshell, mm -hmm. like pry it open. So it's painful in that way. Yeah. Like when you're closed, you don't want to be open, but you know that it, there must be something better than the darkness of the closed clamshell. Wow. And my mom's really good at crowbarring me open. Persistence. Persistence. But also like the, the publicness of it, I think, yeah. Yeah. you know, not just, you're not just sharing with people. You're like, you're telling everyone that you're going to be sharing with everybody. Right. 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 You're putting yourself yeah. center stage and your story center stage and your thoughts, yeah. your ideas. Yeah, absolutely. So as we move forward, what did you discover about yourselves individually and about the other during the creation of this book and during this entire process? Well, I found uh, I'm actually very sensitive and soft, mm -hmm. and I was hugely misinformed and traumatized, mm -hmm. and I don't think I understood. I think I got it as an idea, as a concept, but I don't think I understood how much at the time. Right. Until I started holding a lot more space for myself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And learning about Giselle... Yeah, I learned how firm Giselle is. Mm. I already knew with her passion and her, like, boldness. Yeah. But I didn't know her firmness in not wanting to do certain things. Like, I didn't know what that felt like. Right. But now I know. I know what it feels like. Yeah, I can be like a, a roadblock if I don't 
Kai, I don't know. <laughs> I can be pretty intense. Um, you know, what I learned about myself with that project was obviously that I'm firm, but mostly that I don't really know what I want. Mm. And like a lot of the times I want to stay where I am. Mm -hmm. I tend to want to stay right where I'm sitting because I know that where I'm sitting is a safe zone, but yeah. my mom's really an, an agitator mm -hmm. and she really doesn't appreciate stagnant energy. Yeah. So she'll come and she'll shake you. And you'll be like, why is this happening? <laughs> and then you'll realize that you were actually sitting in a really uncomfortable position. You were just contorted in such a way that you'd found the comfortable groove of it. Mm. Um, so for me, it was, uh, for what I learned about us during it was that we are a really good team because she's very agitated and I'm so firm. So, it's, so then we end up being able to to make projects come all the way through yeah, that are like divine and consistent and beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful as oh, are the two goodness. of you. And I think you've touched on this a little bit, but many mothers never take the opportunity to talk with their girls about the rite of passage that is Menarche because they just don't know how to. Those who manage to do so often have really awkward conversations riddled with myths, fabrications, and sometimes, oftentimes, even scary half-truths. Alexandria, how did you approach this initial conversation with Giselle? I think I acknowledged that we come from a family of secret keepers mm -hmm. and non-truth tellers. Right. And um, I had to start a culture of us, of me being um, honest about all the things I didn't know and all the ways I felt, which I had never put words to. And not even just about this. Yeah, no, about everything. Yeah. I had to change our dynamic as a family mm. so that, like, while we were working on other things, because everything's connected, you can't isolate. Especially right? when we're talking about trauma. Trauma yeah. has a tendency to kind of, like, seep into every crack crevice of our lives, especially when we're trying to not acknowledge it or act like it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And Giselle, yeah. I can remember health class. Uh, practically 100% I of what I know now, I learned from my mother, who was an educator, mm -hmm. through schooling, self-education, and my own personal lived experiences. So how did you experience your transition into womanhood? I mean, how am I experiencing my transition okay. to womanhood? I like it. I like it. Life is still like still pushing. <laughs> um, it was really great. I mean, I think at the time I got my first period, like I think that would be kind of the most obvious milestone mm -hmm. um, when I was 12. So we had been, the book was like in a very fledgling stage at that point. It was more than a pamphlet, but it wasn't like a book. Right. Um, and we were visiting family on the uh, the East Coast because we live on the West Coast. And I got my period. And I thought that I had shit myself. I was like, why are my underwear brown? And so I just went about my day and I was like, I guess my asshole's loose. And then <laughs> <laughs> we got home. And I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Mom, something about this, something about this is different. I don't uh -huh. think this is poo. Anyway, so then she gave me um, like a really nice bath with mm -hmm. with rose petals and red fruits. She went out and got a bunch of red fruits, but she had had like this 
like a whole bunch of cloth pads waiting for me at home, but we weren't at home. Right. So I think that she got me new cloth pads and they looked like the starry night, mm. like stars and moons and stuff. So it was really, it was really nice. And then we got home and we did more uh-huh. things more as rituals. the year went on. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I think, and even as we're chuckling about it, but even that moment where you're like, I think, I don't know even what hole this is coming from, like what, what is going on here is common, especially yeah. when there's no conversation, like I, this has never happened before. It looks mm-hmm. like, you know, something that is vaguely familiar, but it's like you said it, but it's not. So mm-hmm. what do I do with this? Like, what is going on with my body? And, you know, a lot of times I've talked to friends and family and it's like, that's the beginning. Like, okay, let me know when you have it. You know, this happens again. So we can make sure you're not pregnant that way. Not necessarily about talking about what is actually happening. You are now menstruating. You, this is a new you know, phase in your journey, but it's talked about, but not in the context of embracing, but in terms of like prevention. Um, so as literally we've been talking about periods being literally kept in the dark for way far too long. How has writing and illustrating this book helped you to address the respective moons in each of you? Um, I feel like, you know, by when I was writing it, I was, I read a lot of the period books and, you know, women's health type stuff that was out there. And I, I had to go through what didn't feel right for me, Mm. which was a lot of it. I was like, why doesn't this feel okay? And as I went through that and didn't accept what I, what didn't feel good, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was able to not embody it. Right. So I feel like I was sitting more with, you know, more feminine things, more feminine ideas, less abrasive masculine ideas about my body and how it's supposed to be working. Mm, Okay. I feel like I just got sort of softer and more accepting. Right. I like yeah. that. I like that. Mm-hmm. How about you, Giselle? You were literally going through this process as as the process was being processed. So how? Yeah, you, how I think for you, it was. I mean, it's kind of still happening. Unlearning and relearning ideas about our body and sexuality, especially with race overlaid on top of it. You know, at the time, I was kind of. I was learning more than I knew I was learning just by being more open to listening and sitting through it. Mm-hmm. I think that I was learning a lot by um, all the things that my mom didn't say that I was maybe hearing other moms say mm, okay. about periods. Like she didn't have names for it that besides like your period. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yeah. Those funny moves. So I was kind of learning of it as like a, a, a part of who I am. Mm. And then as I you know, deconstructed ideas about shame later on, it helped to integrate more of that information better because it was kind of just like waiting, like in like a holding space Yeah, that it could be like a loving thing. Like I knew, but it took, took other things for it to be able to come all the way. And I feel like I'm kind of still moving through that even now. It's been a long time, but yeah. Yeah, it's still a process. And I, when I, I see you and others will get to see you soon, but when I look at your face, you said that you were pretty much 11 when this kind of book process started. 
Y'all, she doesn't look a day older than 12. Like, she has a very young, a very young face. Actually, they both do. Um, they're actually like a cute, like such a cute, adorable little picture frame that I have of both of them. Um, so um, you'll get to see the visual that I see soon. So, Alexandria, your approach supports women and girls and shows them how to examine their bodies with new eyes, healing ones. What was your biggest takeaway after completing this work? Um, that our cycle is obviously part of a bigger cycle, mm -hmm. planetarily, universally, and somehow being a part of something so much bigger makes me feel like the ease of kind of being part of a family or a community. You know, it isn't just me. Right. I'm not just this isolated thing and how my period goes should or shouldn't be a certain way. It's just part of the bigger thing. Yeah. Yeah. And Giselle, how about you? I think my biggest takeaway is, um, or was kind of something that's I've been thinking about for a little while is that, you know, everyone is all people who bleed are bleeding, mm -hmm. even if they're not talking about it. Yeah. Like there is this really unifying energy mm -hmm. and even people who don't bleed right. who could but you know mm -hmm. like there is this like kind of unspoken current running through all of us right. that's kind of gone unacknowledged and I find it really cool to be able to talk to people about it the way that we can now that we've made this book what a great excuse to be like hey guys like yeah let's have a conversation yeah <laughs> with my friends and it's been really um it helps me to get more close to people yeah because it's kind of like talking to people who are hiding the fact that they menstruate or the fact that they're in pain means that they're hiding like who they are. Mm -hmm. And I definitely was like that for such a long time and part sometimes still am, but yeah. now I find like that door kind of opened, mm -hmm. I guess, okay. in myself to be able to interact with people in that way. And it's easier for them to talk to me in that way about periods and about pain or not pain, happiness right. and stuff. And you mentioned talking to your friends. So, you're an 11 year old. We took a couple of years back, maybe a full decade or so. You're an 11 year old. Your mom is that mom who's writing a period book. <laughs> um, what were the conversations that you were having with your friends then? And when well, did you I realize like that your mom was a superstar? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna preface this by saying, I don't know if you've been to the west coast of Canada, but okay. if there was ever a collection of weed-smoking hippies, they <laughs> live where we do, uh -huh. on the Gulf Islands, um, really secluded, like, max 10,000 people per Gulf Island. Okay. Um, the idea of ceremony was not foreign. Mm -hmm. And so putting that around menstruation wasn't, like, the hugest stretch. Okay. And even still here, it was uncomfortable with my friends because obviously we were 11 and 12. So I think we only really started talking about it when we were maybe 14 or 15. Mm, okay. And then it was really, it was really easy. Mm -hmm. They were way more open than I was because we came from Toronto where everything was really intense and a lot more shut down. Okay. Um, but those conversations happened slowly. And then the more I did it, the more they were like, well, you know what? This is the thing that my aunt talks to me about. Whenever she visits, she brings me into that room and she's like, your body is a miracle. I'm like reminding them of their, of their older relatives and that just sort of becomes the baseline of 
that's our conversation. <laughs> I love it. Your body is a miracle. Yes. <laughs> So, so as you and I mean the illustrations are amazing and I I I just can't I love the fact that like you were the one in charge of bringing your mother's vision her words to life. So as you were putting pen to paper Giselle and you know coming up with these images from your head how did you decide and what to draw what to put on paper so that they were mirror images of the words, but in pictorial form. Yeah. Um, so there have been many iterations of the book. Okay. There's been three versions, but I've really only drawn the drawings all the way through twice. Okay. And so the first time I went to draw those, I was so uncomfortable. I couldn't think of a single way to get like wrap my head around drawing a penis uh -huh. I was like I don't think I can do this yeah so <laughs> I'm gonna say that I was the talent but my mother was the director you know okay. like as far as, what, as far as what got drawn uh -huh. it was it was a supervised experience where okay. I got a list mm -hmm. it was a list that I was allowed to improvise on for okay. sure there cool. was like wiggle room she was like I would like someone I would like a girl who looks like she's kind of meditatively like in that triangle one, like mm -hmm. meditatively meditating. Right. And I was like, I can take this in any direction I want. Yeah. And I took it in some, she was like, not that. So, <laughs> um, so to be honest, I, it was kind of a haze. It took a long time. I drew a lot of different versions and we decided as a team, which ones were, were the best versions for that illustration. Okay. I love it. Teamwork yeah. makes the dream work. That's beautiful. <laughs> so overall, the body itself doesn't change. And in terms of structure and function, it is what it is. However, our conversations about our bodies, especially women's and girls' bodies, have changed. Many of our patients wish they would have had this type of resource to empower their daughters and sometimes themselves when the period talk time arrived. However, some people may say this book is inappropriate for young girls, given some of the risque topics. How do you both respond to this kind of critique? Well, that was definitely all me. <laughs> Giselle definitely wasn't like pining for any kind of <laughs> content. Um, I have to say, I had to personally work through a lot of uh, like, trauma, like I said, mm -hmm. to write it and also use my intuition to figure out what needed to be included. Okay. And this, the risque topics were definitely intuited mm -hmm. inclusions. And I was working through my own like sexual traumas Okay. and, um, knowledge and loving knowledge mm -hmm. is better to be there as a conversation topic than to not be there. Right. Yeah. You were talking a lot about um, us being in a world that is like more favoring of sex than intimacy. Correct. And so when she was writing this book, intimacy was really the, the whole reason for the more risque moments mm -hmm. to, you know, connection is what we wanted. Yeah. To and, show. Yeah, and you know, sex was brought into it because that's how you make babies. Yeah. 
most of the time not that that was like there was other options in there included and it wasn't necessarily a sexuality book or mm. it would have included so much more about gender right um but kids like when did your when do kids first ask about how they were made or where babies come from mm-hmm. i mean it, it is the answer yeah and i think a right. lot of people have a hard time with that at yeah. whatever age and You know, there's so many different responses that are out there. And some of them I'm like, oh, that's not going to set the groundwork for that conversation three months from now, because it's just like built on like fantasy or out and out lies. And I think because sex is such a hard topic to talk about, even amongst adults, having an age appropriate conversation and even knowing what age appropriate is nowadays is not only troublesome, but it's really hard for many adults to address with a younger one, especially when we as adults haven't been able to fully embrace a healthy conversation about ourselves amongst ourselves. So when a young one is asking these questions, and they will ask, um, it there's this like kind of deer in headlights stare because oftentimes we don't know what to say. We don't know what is too much, what a child can handle. And I know I at three or four, when I asked my mom where do babies come from, she told me. She gave me an answer and she said, I didn't ask any more questions. And each, you know, each time she built on it. And I don't remember asking that first time, but I do remember how the conversations evolved. And my mom used the appropriate names for things. There were never any like chichis and coochie coos and things of that nature. I learned vagina. And even my pediatrician, you know, asked my mom, you know, what does she call it? And my mom was like, call what? She calls it her vagina. And he, and he was like flabbergasted. Like she knows yeah. that word. And, yeah. you know, that's kind of, I knew my body parts. And just like I knew hair and eyelash and eyebrow and nose mm-hmm. and lips, I knew vagina and I knew the names for things. And I think, you know, we learn now we learn slang quicker than we learn appropriate names. And that's why we're uncomfortable having conversations because we are always thinking about sex in a way that's inappropriate, dirty, something to be ashamed of. And you've touched on shame and trauma as a part of the foundation for how you created this masterpiece. So delve into that a little bit further and talk to us about how that did serve as a partial framework for how this book was created. Yeah. Um, Let me think about that for a sec. Well, I feel like I got uh, shameful ideas Mm -hmm. just going to school, Yeah. you know, and they were in there, whether you want them or not, they're floating around. And I had to identify those feelings and be like, this isn't this isn't a good feeling. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel good when I have ideas that don't make me feel powerful right. or make me feel clear or make me feel whatever it is I need to feel. Yeah. And so I was addressing things to make sure I was as honest as possible. Like I really sat with each idea and topic and was like, how do I feel about this? And if I felt shame, I would have to sit with it for weeks. Mm. And weeks and I'd have to like just meditate on it and and understand it so that I could write it myself Mm. I wasn't about to pass on disembodied information yeah like that was not my gift right (laughs) 
and um, and we deserve that. We deserve to be more honest with each other. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, like with the, the sex information, and it's so funny because it's not just sex. There's a, and you're probably talking about the picture of, it looks like a tantric position. Mm-hmm. It's such a beautiful, intimate thing. Yeah. And I felt ashamed a little bit when I was doing it mm-hmm. myself. And that doesn't mean that it shouldn't be in there. Right. Like it should be sort of used as a a marker for how much more we can open. Mm. Or how much more comfortable we can get in our own bodies. Absolutely. 100% agree. And Giselle, as you were illustrating these, um, I guess, risque topics. And when you were illustrating these, how did you feel as a younger person about some of these risque topics and how they could have been be represented, what that meant for, I guess, ages 8 to 12, so to speak, age range? And how did that help you avoid creating an internal trauma and passing that trauma on to others that were your age? You know, I think my mom did a lot of the work by sitting with her feelings so mm-hmm. that when she asked me to draw them, it wasn't coming from a weird place because, you know, we do the drawings at the end after mm-hmm. all the writing's finished. So after she's gone through all of those kind of milestones. But I honestly, I don't remember feeling that weird about it. Right. Like I, I had a lot of... I was feeling pretty removed from the whole thing. Like, this is a drawing. This doesn't have to do with who I am. I knew that I was doing, like, a first draft at one point, and I was, like, keeping it a secret. Mm -hmm. But then I got some positive feedback from my friends. They were like, you're doing drawings for a period book? That's cool. Oh, good. And I was like, okay, this is my (laughs) source of attention. Yeah. So, like, I have a button that's just, like, I'm going to do this because I like positive feedback. Okay. And then it just turned into – you know, I was so young, I didn't, I didn't experience much trauma around that because I was really with my mom. We moved to the West Coast when, like, a list, like slightly before that, and I was kind of experiencing, like, a new open world around me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it wasn't like I didn't have any. It was more just like if I did, it was, it was um, either not being brought up because my mom was kind of umbrellaing it. Yeah. Or I was compartmentalizing it and when I read did the illustrations later on when I got a bit older a few years ago, I felt like I had moved through it just from having done it Excellent. and having been brought to it, not in like a, a forceful way. Cause she's pushy, but she doesn't like force me to do things. Right. right. She's like, just remember that thing. You have to like redraw the cover. <laughs> 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 um, but it's, it's definitely not mean. So it was like, um, you know, sitting with it, yeah. letting it kind of integrate, reading the book, letting that kind of come into part of me made it so that when I drew it, I didn't feel super weird. And though I will say I didn't draw a penis. <laughs> I did. She drew the penis. Yeah. There you go. Oh, there <laughs> was, was a compromise. I the penis and she, I was like, you just draw the body and then I'll draw the penis. Yeah, so, so it was there's, like a body with a tiny blank spot. There's her concession. <laughs> she, I didn't feel weird about the, about the, like the tantric, I guess, sexual position at all. I was like, that makes sense. Eye contact. Like, yeah. boom. 
that's intimacy. That's not that's yeah. not just sex. That's intimacy. Yeah. And yeah, one, one of the things I learned about the word intimacy is when you break it up into each syllable, it's into me see. And the very oh, fact that it's good. looking at eyes is like you're literally connecting with the other person yeah. like into their soul. And yeah. that's bigger than that person's physical makeup. That's bigger than gender. That's bigger than anything else. Intimacy doesn't even necessarily have to happen between sexual partners, but it's that connection that's seeing eye to eye and that's being able to look into that person and allowing yourself to be looked into by that other person. So I'm really glad that you taught her about that importance because it's bigger than that. It's so much bigger. And I thought that was one of, that was one of my favorite illustrations. So you won me over Giselle. Um, so as we're talking, I have definitely had to get two copies of this book. One was we have a little library, um, where, you know, people can take books off and look at them and take them home under the guise that they'll bring it back. And I have to say your book has been, it's not a personal copy, but I had to get another copy because there was underlining, highlighting, food stains, dog mark ear, ear, uh, dog mark ears, um, people's names written in the margins, <laughs> um, arrows. It was, is a, is probably the most, um, I'd say a book that is clearly being, um, utilized and also just kind of engaging people to like really get into it and not just, you know, flip the pages. You could see that, you know, there were some greasy fingerprints, like people were eating and reading. There were some tea stains, some coffee stains, a lot of underlining and highlighting in different colors. So it wasn't just, you know, one person. Um, So it's definitely in heavy rotation to the point that we had to get another book because I was like, now this is becoming, this is literally a communal book, Um, (laughs) but it's such an excellent resource. So tell me, both of you, what was your favorite part, not just of the process, but I guess your favorite part of the book and the process? I, the process was painful. So I'm not going to say that I loved the process. It was like, if I were actually having a baby, it would have been the longest labor of my entire life. Mm. Um, But I loved plant reproduction oh my god I love it so much I love understanding us as every other living thing oh my god absolutely like it's my sweet spot I love it a lot okay and tell us a little bit more what it what it what is it that kind of got you going about plant reproduction I didn't even know it was coming I was really at the time I was looking for inspiration Mm -hmm. like an inspiration would happen it would look like something was being lit up when I'd look at it. Yeah. You know, kind of like how you meet a soulmate or something, uh-huh. or like a really good person in your life. You'd be like, ooh, that person, what's that person about? Uh-huh. And I was walking somewhere and I saw a picture of a flower. And I was like, why am I looking at this picture? I couldn't figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up in the library and I like felt like I was being pointed toward a book and it was about plant reproduction. And I was like, I was like trying so hard to let it go in and as soon as I got it I was like what do you mean <laughs> we're the same <laughs> like, oh my god <laughs> this is amazing and it just felt so much it felt like proof yeah that we're natural it felt like proof that we just are perfect yeah like so so much more than perfect every part of us every secretion 
and in part and feeling and temperature. It's like every single thing about us is perfect. Yes. Oh, that's it for me. Mm-hmm. All right. And Giselle, how about you? Yeah. What was your favorite part, whether the illustrations or I guess the content, the, your mother's content? Um, I like the whole thing, but I, I really loved the recipes we've made all the recipes in the book so that's really really nice i think we all love food we all love food and food is a winner so good good job there (laughs) yeah i think maybe my absolute like top thing is the covert uh masturbation Mm -hmm. like (laughs) she's like just i don't think you say masturbation but the whole thing is like exploration yeah and i've never read a period book that was then again, I haven't read all the period books like she has. Um, that was so like loving and encouraging of of you to explore yourself, mm-hmm. and, and and describing it in such a way that it doesn't seem like a an f word or a cuss word or a bad word. Yeah, and it was, and it isn't even like with any kind of goal in mind. It's okay. just like knowing yourself, mm-hmm. and I really liked that part of the book I mean I like the whole thing because it really sounds like my mom's voice when she's talking oh, at night time nice. oh, <laughs> it's nice. like a bedtime story a little um oh that's a nice little that's a nice little inside yeah. ditty so we can hear Alexandria's voice that's really as sweet. a part yeah. of our reading that's that's really nice that's a good inside a good insider yeah. kind of piece of information thanks Giselle yeah. yeah I also like the cover I didn't say that that was very much a joint effort okay yeah. there have been 50 versions of that thing but oh I wow well I love it again it was <laughs> it's the perfect color it's the perfect age appropriate book but there's still so many gems in it for those of us who are mature women and have been women for a minute so again it's the perfect mother-daughter book you guys did an excellent job um so besides the moon and you what other resources do you recommend for our listeners who want to take an actively engaged approach to illuminating period love? It's a good one. I think we decided that the forest is the resource okay, to yeah. go for walks and realize that you're one of the plants. Oh, wow. Like nothing can really replace understanding that we are as part of nature. And there's really a disconnect when you st- when you spend so much time away from it that you start to forget and you start to be like, oh, I'm, I am desk, I am computer, mm. um, but I've never felt closer to all of myself than when I've spent long times in the forest. Forest bathing, I love that. Yeah. That was the win. I love that answer. I love that response. (laughs) So personally, I consider this book, or maybe it's a modern day how-to manual, essential reading for mothers, daughters, and practically speaking for any person who menstruates. It has become such a popular read in our center's library. What parting words of wisdom do each of you have for our listeners? They're both That's looking up into that. the air the same yeah, day, in the same direction, that. almost in unison. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Synchronized <laughs> thinking. <laughs> What's yours? I, I don't have any one thing. I think you don't have I to limit it to one. 
You have time. Yeah, I think I left it in the book, you know. Okay. I mean, I'm pretty bad at just giving um, non-specific advice. Okay, that's fair. I like fair. to sit with people and be like, hmm, this would be a good idea for you. Right. Um, but I think, I mean, the forest is obviously our friend. That's, and, that's good. That's sound. You know, go toward more, more nature-based stuff because there's something about nature that just sort of, you learn stuff you don't know you're learning until later. Mm. It isn't necessarily in the moment. In the moment, it's bringing you calm. But long-term, you're understanding how things are connected. And the cycles yeah. of the world. Just like you're watching the leaf decompose mm -hmm. in the autumn. You're like, oh, that leaf, you know? Mm -hmm. Maybe you're seeing it grow in the spring, right. you know? You're catching connection as time goes on with different things. I love it. How about you, Giselle? Yeah. Uh, I think my parting wisdom would probably be to, if you have, like, friends that are open like you are to have like a monthly ceremony mm. in honor of your of your cycle um whenever you can like not in a pressure kind of way but like maybe on the new moon or the full moon and you set your intentions for the month i think that understanding like the moon cycle as like the like you being a part of it even if you're not like bleeding on the exact same days mm -hmm. As like kind of a river you can throw wishes into and then the river will go around and change the wish and bring it back to you in a different way. Kind of like in like adding more um, ceremony to, to the everyday helps to add ceremony to yourself, the flavor of you. You can't see I'm like doing this over my... I love it. I love you know, it. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me yeah. yeah, I think that's my thing because we I do like that. the flavor of you. Yeah. The flavor of you that's that's beautiful mm. you both have just brought so much like warmth and like good feels to me because i feel like mm. this is one of those wholesome conversations that we need to be having in sister circles and women's circles in mm. at home with our aunts and sisters and cousins and friends so that we can all embrace and bring to light something that is has been kept in the dark for far, far too long so I thank you both for taking the time to share your relationship, to share your giftedness and your talent, and just to share your perspective with us. And I, again, it comes from way down in a very, very soft, soft spot. I really do appreciate you writing this book, taking the time to bring it to light, because it definitely has been a blessing to our practice, and I'm pretty sure so many others. So once again, thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much. Yeah, thanks for having us. Take a look at the show notes for more information about today's guest, links to the website, contact information, and social media channels. We really hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Think about one gem you can take away from this episode and apply it to your own life. Also, please take a moment to like the episode, subscribe to the channel, comment, and share with your family, friends, and colleagues. Till we meet again, remember to nourish your flourish and see you real soon. Salud!